We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, here on twitch.tv slash MIHeatBeat, on the bottom left is our producer and co-founder, Brian Goins. Good evening, guys. Good evening, Brian. Brian, you've been on a couple shows lately. It's nice when you're participating. Is it? Yeah, it is. It's nice. I like you around. Brian, you and I are the co-founders. Brian, you and I started this eight years ago on an iPad making bad jokes about the Heat. And look where we are now. We're producing still making, making bad, bad jokes, jokes about, about the heat. The heat. Oh, yeah, no, listen. That voice that you heard is our guest for today, the legendary Will Manso. Will, Give thank you for up. coming on. Hey, guys. Local legend. I listen to you guys only for the bad jokes, so I, that's why I'm here. <laughs> listen, I, I, we are. Only... You're going to get bad jokes and a lot of on-off stats. The other voice you heard on the left-hand corner of the screen is Alex Musubai, a.k.a. Moose. What's up, Moose? What's going on, people? Happy to be here. I know it's not hangover time, but let me tell you something. I earned this today, so I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> by the way, everybody, check out our post-game show hosted by Alphonse Sydney Hangover Time here on Twitch. After every single Heat game, check that out. It's Alf, Tiffany, and a bunch of other of your favorite Miami Heat beat hosts and guests every week. Alf's already had Izzy Gutierrez from ESPN, had George Sedano, Chris Cody. Alf's a guest booker, man. Alf's out here working, grinding hard, and we're here with Will Manso to talk. How'd you get stuck with me then? How the heck did you get stuck with me? I wanted you, Will. Listen, you've been on before. I'm a big fan of yours. I love you. You're the best. Uh, We miss you on television. It's not the same. I know that Ron and Jax are holding it down, but we miss you on the broadcast. I was going to ask you, you haven't been to the arena, right? I went one time for a preseason game. The thing is, because we're not, I'm not doing anything with Fox right now because we don't have the road studio in Fort Lauderdale set up. We can't use it yet. Uh, so I went for a preseason game with Channel 10 for my regular job, and it was eerie, man. It was just like, you know, have you guys been there? Have you guys yeah. been over the arena yet? For a game? I've covered yeah, it. It's yeah. just, you know, you're, you're up at the top. You're looking down. There's nothing. You see the players down there, like little answering it around. You know, there's fake crowd noise. It's it's definitely an adjustment. I'm probably going to head up next, you know, next home games that they that they get back here um, after this weekend. But it's it's hard to us, man. We all miss it. By the way, Moose, I got I, I always use a red cup when I do these. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't got to know. As long as it's a red cup, you're golden. 95% chance it's water, but what the hell? Make, make them drink. <laughs> Cheers, well, you know, my friend. I've I've been stopped because I, I I we have the solo red cups at, at home, and I, I sometimes make my iced coffee, and I pour it in there, and I, I take off in the car. And I got pulled over one day. I, I was having an iced coffee kind of more in the afternoon, and I got pulled over because somebody thought I was drinking and driving. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, listen, red cup, red cup usually equals alcohol. It, listen, very rarely is it equal water or coffee. This is this is Panther coffee espresso in here, okay? Like you know, yeah, you got if you're driving, officer. you got to put that in a coffee mug. Yeah, yes. just you know, not not advocating. No, yeah. pro tip. So I kind of I want I, we have Will on. I kind of want to get into some of the stuff that happened last night. Weird game, Will, because the Heat kind of started off where their offense looked like it didn't work. They were really struggling to score. It kind of looked disjointed. It's been a little bit of that all season. Part of that's been Jimmy's been out, but I mean, they, they were all hands on deck to yesterday and, and it looked weird. Then uh, Spo went to three guards, Jimmy at the four and bam. And that really greased the wheels of the offense. They were moving. They were playing a lot more north, south, more pick and roll, less handoffs. And that really got them back in the game. Then they started with their two big lineup. Everything looked good. And then we all know what happened at the end. I'm kind of curious, like, I think the offense has been kind of the thing that's been most weird to me. The defense is at ranked 11th already, but their offense, I think, is near the bottom of the league. What, what, what do you make of that? Well, number one, turnovers. I, mean, I think you guys you guys are big into delving into numbers, but you don't have to dig too deep to figure out that the Heat are near the bottom of the league in turnovers. And if you turn the, the ball over as much as they do, uh, and you look at the amount of shots that the opposing team gets, I think last night it was like an 18 or 20 shot different for the field. I mean, just mathematically alone, it decreases your chances of scoring a lot of points and beating a team. And they ended up only losing by two. Yet the Celtics had a lot more shots on the field. And that's been a common theme because of the turnovers. And the funny thing is last night, they didn't really turn the ball over. So that was a good step. But they weren't, you know, they weren't rebounding, which is an issue you mentioned going with the guards and stuff. I mean, there's are tough decisions for Spo because if you're not rebounding and you go small, yeah, maybe you're scoring more, but then you're not getting second chances. You're getting defensive rebounds. And those are issues that right now, they have to figure out. And guys, I know, you know, a lot of people point to the energy. And sure, that's part of it. I think the getting up for every game after you get to the Eastern Conference Finals two months ago. And this is a weird thing about this season is usually if you're uh, if you go to a finals, right, you have still a pretty long offseason yeah. where you kind of let it all, you know, decompress, get back have a full training camp. And it sort of leaves your mind. This team, it's not an excuse, but it hasn't left any of our minds. It feels like they just played two weeks ago in the NBA Finals. And I think there's part of that that they need to just get through and get over whatever that wall is. And then the final thing, guys, and I know we can probably discuss it more, is, look, they've got a new point guard, uh, a guy who hasn't played the point much, and Tyler Hero, that they're really trying to learn, teach him all on the job. And Tyler is a hard worker. Man, he's going to figure it out. But right now, he's not Goran Dragic. You know, he's not even Mario Chalmers right now when it comes to running the point. I mean, He's, he's legend. Not a goat, the GOAT. Yeah, he's not a point guard just yet. He just can't, you know, and, and that's not a knock on him. He's got to figure it out and suppose giving him that chance. So a combination of all that, I think, is a reason why they're struggling offensively. I want to give us a couple of shout outs to the chat. Um, thank you, DJ Ballin from Germany. Thanks for thanks for being up. This is a, this is a tough listen. Thanks for coming up, staying up with us, listening. We, Germany. we appreciate that. Well, yeah. Listen. Yeah. yeah, listen, that, that you're being an NBA fan in Europe is tough. It's, it's not an easy job. Moose, kind of want to rope you in because I know uh, Tyler Hero is your guy. He's been a Let's lot go. better. Drip. Kind of drip. Drip. Drip's been a lot better. Kind of to Will's point, you know, he's kind of thrusting that point guard position. I mentioned this on the pregame show yesterday, and I think a little bit on the pod uh, before that. He's one of, I think he's in the 95th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler, which has jumped dramatically up from the start. I think he's gotten a lot better in that role. He's really, yeah. he's not the quickest guy, right? But I think his shooting allows him separation, and I think he's really smart and patient. Um, I, He's as a passer, I think he's much improved. I really don't. I don't think the point guard stuff's a problem. I think they're committed to playing him, but I think it's more of they they don't have elite shooting right now. Like Tyler is shooting, I think in the low thirties. Well, not to cut you off, but the point Tyler's getting looks. He's just yeah. missing in the last three games or so. So it's not like he's fumbling and stumbling everywhere, and he's terrible. He's just. When he gets loose and he's not hitting the shots, when he's in rhythm and he's hitting shots and he facilitates, and we've seen him rebound a lot this year too, oh, he's going to be fine. Just when he doesn't hit shots, you lose that element. And look, the Heat, when their shooters don't shoot, they don't hit threes, we see what happens. He's at, he's at 30%, a little bit a shade below 30% for the year. And like, I, if they don't have two elite shooters coming off those handoffs, I don't really think those sets work because Jimmy's a non-shooter. 
So if you can cheat a little bit off of Jimmy, and if Tyler's not hurting you on that handoff, you can really go under. And once you go under on Tyler, that becomes really difficult for him as a, and, and he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously the wingspan is stuff is overstated, but like if he's not shooting at an elite level and I know Duncan has the percentages look good, but it has been streaky. Cause he'll like, he'll make his first three and then he'll miss five and then he'll get the four point play. At so it, I don't know, Moose, what do you think? Like, I feel like it's been really weird. It's been, I think a lot of it's familiar, but like some of the stuff's not dry. I don't know. It, it's, 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 it's really, really weird. So I'm really glad you threw it to me because I've been getting a lot of people in my mentions today on talking to me about drip. Uh, so, which by the way, Will, I'm going to need your help. We're trying to get this off the ground. His nickname is drip. Anytime he's, he's on fire, he's drip drop. So uh, if you could, if you could drop that in there sometime, we tried this before. I could drop it in the highlights. Tyler here with the drip. Let's, yes! Let's go. I love it. I love it. If you can give me that, ah, oh, that's that's a Christmas in January. We're moving. Wait, we're Will, moving. Will, Will, we tried this before. Are you aware of the whole Justice Better movement? Of course. Yeah, I remember. Thank you, well, Eric. Just, Eric Reed. You got, it, you got it on air with Eric. Eric, yeah, listen. On, I mean, Justice knew about it. Yeah, so no, you, got, you guys you succeeded. You guys succeeded with Justice Better. Let's move on because it's drip drop now. It's drip drop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Tyler's gonna like it, but you know. Yeah, listen, I mean, we'll Tyler's see. Hey, best drip here. He likes he Wonder Boy. He knows he's got drip. He, he does. Well, um, going going back to his play this year, though, I am glad that you brought it to me because look, for as much as I love Tyler, I I've been banging the table that I don't want him at point guard. Now, with that being said, I think we're also just kind of like picking and overstating it because he really has made improvements there, and his vision, yeah. as you can see from game to game. It is noticeably better. So, you know, applause to him for working on that. But I still feel that he's, I don't know if it's a rhythm thing, if he's too much in his head. There is something, and you noticed it last night, Brian, I'm actually curious if, if statistically that was his worst game in a Heat uniform because it definitely felt like it was his most, um, I don't want to say like lackadaisical performance, but it just, it, he felt off the entire night and it wasn't, it wasn't even the shot. I just felt there was some type of disconnect last night. And unfortunately, I also think that the quick turnaround in the season has been a big killer for him because I think those second year guys that summer in between is critical. Yeah. I mean, it you got to imagine, critical. you got to imagine like these people who were rookies last year, they were used to playing a short college season. Then you had Tyler play basically that entire NBA regular season, come off to the bubble, play up until the NBA finals. And now two months later, he's asked to play another full NBA season. That's kind of tough. Yeah. Hey guys, a- but to your point, to your point, Moose, is that he, Yesterday, Crotty made a good point. He got caught in the middle of the shot where he didn't know if he should pass, and he ended up throwing a bad pass. Yes. Turnover. Look, they, they didn't turn the ball yes. over much last night. But those are things where I think he's like thinking, well, I'm a point guard. I have to distribute. But I'm a shooter. I'm a scorer. I got the drip. You know, it's like he, I think there's a lot to process. And, and, and to Brian's point, in a short amount of time, that's a lot of information. That's why when people tell me, and look, we, I know that social media is not the tell-all to what is real. But you, when fans are like, oh, bench Tyler, he stinks, he can't play the point, you got to give him more than seven games. And I think we've seen points where we, he can play the point. He's just got to get through the mental side of it and understand that it's, it's a little bit of everything. You're still going to be asked to score. Obviously, you want to distribute, but you can't overthink as a point guard. And I do think he's probably doing that sometimes. I Once know that. he flips that switch and it's not so much in his head and he's more just playing the game as he was his rookie year, I think we're going to see a completely different player. I agree. I agree. Well, I thought the offense looked great in the third quarter, and it seemed to click oh, yeah. a lot when, well, obviously when Duncan was getting hot, but um, it seemed like Jimmy was going to the paint whenever he wanted, and that helped kind of spread out the offense. If he surrounded Jimmy with the shooters, mm-hmm. he was able to kind of drive himself into the paint. Obviously, drawing the fouls helped the defensive, so they were able to, like, so basically they weren't in transition a lot, and it basically helped them you know, set their defense, most possessions. So I think that also plays a part of it because in the fourth quarter when Boston made their run, it was a lot of fast break movement that got them hot. And then towards the end, when they wanted that 10-0 run, they made a lot of threes that Miami just ended up missing. They really stopped the handoff stuff in the third quarter. And they just kind of, if they did a handoff, it was a 4-5, so they'd do bam KO. And they really mm-hmm. just stopped kind of running. So like what they like to do is they'll, they'll run a pistol set in the corner for Duncan or Tyler and Jimmy will screen for that. 
and then kind of Jimmy kind of going to the rim. So you have him floating and then you have, you kind of pivot from that pistol into the handoff. Uh, but that just wasn't working. Cause if Tyler's not going to be an elite shooter and if Duncan's going to be kind of hot and cold, then, you know, the way that used to be one of the best actions in the league. And, you know, if, if they're not hitting at a 40% clip, it, it just becomes tough and the, the court shrinks and you help off Jimmy and that makes it really hard. Um, so, but they will I, get there, guys. They will. They oh, will. for sure. I think we could all agree that they'll get to that. The shot profile is good. They're good yeah. players. The shot profile is good. I kind of wanted to touch a little bit on the like. I don't think this the high end of this team is going to be Tyler playing point guard because it. I think to if they're going to be good, it's going to be with Dragic, Tyler plus Jimmy plus what other wing they either acquire or play. Because I don't think Jimmy's going to be the answer at the four, and I don't think KO is going to be the long time answer at the five, right? So it's going to be Bam, Jimmy at the three, not the four, plus Goran, plus Tyler. So Tyler's not going to be the point guard in the playoffs when that stuff matters. But I think kind of similar to how Phoenix did with Devin Booker, you kind of give him those reps on ball to kind of grow him as a passer and as a playmaker, kind of a trial by fire. And then when you get a guy like Chris Paul, you know, he's a guy that that can, you know, destroy, you know, a bent defense already. Now he has all the passing in his bag and, He's 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 attacking, you know, off an initial set. So like that's will that's I, I don't know. You, you know, I know you're a little more plugged into the organization than we are. Do you think that that could be the kind of thinking that they're going? Yeah, and I, look, I, I think not that he would ever use a season as development because they want to win games. They don't want to be three and four. They want to be seven. and oh. they don't they don't they, they don't play games thinking, oh, it's OK. We lost because we're developing someone. They really, truly have invested in Tyler to be a guy that can run the point. They feel that that's a role that he can really have success in. And you can't do it without playing it in games. But to your point, I also know that within the organization, Spoke said it publicly and privately. I mean, they know they have Goran there. And we saw last year, you know, when they came back from in the bubble and when the playoff time came, one of the first things I was told was before the bubble and going to the playoffs really was don't, don't expect a lot of Kendrick Dunn and expect a lot of Goran Dragic. And they can flip those switches. That's what the depth that they have can do. So Tyler can develop and play and get that role, but they can obviously go to Goran. And I think, honestly, guys, unless Tyler runs with this and, and shows significant improvement, I think they want to do that. I think they'll eventually kind of go with that. Can you imagine, though, if Tyler does get to the level where he's a consistent point guard by playoff time, then you've still got Goran as a sixth and in closing moments and in big moments of the game. You've got yourself a hell of a combination there and the ability to do a lot of things. That's the beauty of their depth. But yeah, I think within the organization, they know, look, they didn't bring Gordon back to, to just sit in the sidelines. They brought Gordon back for big moments. But in a long season, I think they want to try to see what they have with Tyler and can always go back to Gordon. Warren's and been- Will, to your, to your point as well, with such a quick turnaround, what a, what a great time to give Tyler these minutes and ease Gordon <sighs> back in. Obviously, so, my dog agrees as well. He agrees. Yeah, he agrees. I, well, your dog agrees, which is all the most important thing. I, and I think that's it. Look, guys, there's another element too. We've already talked about the short offseason. Uh, we've already seen Jim, Jimmy limping around a little bit. He's got that ankle. It's definitely bothering him. Even though he says it's not a big deal, he's fine. It's bothering him. Is it the um, same ankle from the finals that was bothering him? Do we know? Yeah, his right ankle, right? So, uh, you know, he's he's been hot. It's what, three separate times I've seen him at least this season already. Three separate times yeah. where he's come up with him. Last night he did it again, and then he, he scored, what, 26 points. He looked fine. <laughs> Jimmy toughs it out, and he gets the treatment, but that's just Jimmy. But when you look at Tyler, Tyler's 20. You know, Tyler, we talked about that short turnaround, but it's a much easier turnaround, a 20-year-old, than a 30-something-year-old coming off a bad injury, the foot injury that Goran had, and playing a long career and the issues that Goran has had with his knees. Uh, Tyler can deal with this, it, and the shots will drop. I, I feel confident of that. I, mean, I really think that it stinks because they're three and four, and we all kind of get caught up in it, but I think in a month or two, you're going to be looking back and saying, that was just a little funk at the beginning of the year. They're going to be rolling. Like, so... To, to your point about like Goran's play, like when Goran's on the floor, the Heat are outscoring teams by almost 13 points per 100 possessions, which is just like insane. Yeah. And when he's off the court, and I think part of this is that Milwaukee game where he played like three minutes, um, they're they're outscored by 15 per 100 possessions. But the offense is a huge difference too. They're at a, a 97 offensive rating when he's off and a 116 when he's on. Different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you don't need the numbers to know that Goran Dragic makes your offense better, but like just to see like how much better they are with him on versus him off is pretty jarring. And I think considering that he gave them next to nothing last night and they still almost won yeah. that game. And listen, if if uh, if Pritchard doesn't have a putback, 
if if Duncan and Bam crash into each other. I, I feel bad because yeah. like I thought Duncan did a good job of so Will, I want you to hear my theory on this. Duncan did a really good job of staying in front of Marcus Smart. And I think Bam didn't think he would stay in front of him. So Bam came to help a little earlier and they kind of bumped into each other. Left that little lane there open. Yeah. They got the stop, but. No, everybody was blamed. It's funny how everybody got blamed. Like I've heard people blame Bam, Duncan. Oh, it's a, it's a stupid exercise to blame anybody there. I mean. Yeah. And the reality is it's, it's, it's an issue where you make a decision. It's communication issue. It's, you know, a guy where he's supposed to be the bottom line is they left the guy open to the basket. A guy was like four feet tall open to hit the game winning layup with a second left. You know, it's just, it's just not good basketball. They know it. It sucks. But those are the things. What, listen, if that happened in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals last year, it's a whole oh, different story. Oh, Bam seven. makes a block. Bam makes yeah. a block for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It happened in game seven of the regular season. These are things they'll correct, but they do have to, you know, those are little things you have to figure out. They have to figure out. I'm not worried, Will. Like, I, I think some people are, and I think some fans are upset, and they're just people want to trade. And I, I imagine that they're going to either sign a guy in the buyout market or something. I think that they're a wing short. I think they're one wing short because, uh, unfortunately, Mo Harkless just hasn't been the answer that they thought yeah. he would be. Uh, and you KZ's know, I, getting no minutes. I want to ask you, Will. I mean, we're big KZ Akpala fans here. Uh, and I too. It also, you know what, you know, Will, what it feels like? It feels like, you know, like the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town when the team's not yeah. doing well. And I know that they have that vacuum of power forward. And like Casey, you know, when you see him, you see he stays in front of Giannis, you know, that you have that preseason game against Toronto. I know he has some defensive miss. Like, do you know anything about how they feel about him internally? Because like, yes, we're obsessed I mean, with him. <laughs> the answer is yes. And, and, but again, I haven't been around the team since last March. So, you know, I don't know how he's progressed from March to now. But when I talked to the, you know, some of the staff last year, and even, you know, before the season, before the pandemic stuff, obviously, they thought KZ was, you know, I think you guys have read this, but it's been told to me. They thought KZ was a first-round pick, you know, a, a, a lottery-type pick. They felt he really had that talent. That's not just gossip that you heard, like, on Twitter or, you know, in blogs or whatever. This is – they really felt that. Uh, and I think what happened was, yeah, his development in some parts maybe hasn't gotten there, but they love his athleticism and his ability. But, the, but again, the problem when you have depth – is that if you have a young guy like this and he doesn't have certain areas of defense, certain areas where you feel comfortable with, it's very hard to throw him into the game. Because unlike Tyler's got the ability where, yeah, you can get to his defensive shortcomings at times and his learning of the point guard, but Tyler can go out and score 35 or 40 in a game and take the game under control. Casey can't do that yet. I mean, he's not at that. That's not Casey's game. So I think they really are trying to figure out what his role will be eventually. But to answer your question, they think highly of him. I really believe that they feel he is a big part of their future. Now, all that said, guys, you guys know that if the big trade golfer comes up, they'll throw him Oh, no, yeah, listen. What was the way Parley operates? I, I don't know if you remember, but was it at a at a team function or a charity event where Pat Riley said that he would not trade Shaquille O'Neal and then like seven hours later he did? Well, what was it? Yeah, was it like a – was it like a team – I don't – You remember that? I don't remember what function – oh, I remember the story. I don't remember what function – but the, listen, the one thing I have, there's 20 something years of covering and knowing Pat Riley is that that guy will, he'll trade family to get a win. He's going to be trade your dog, man. If your dog keeps barking, he'll trade him. And oh, he's getting, she's out of here. She's out of here. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just, that's just Riley. And I think that's what gives, should give Heat fans some sort of, if there's anybody out there that's panicking, like you said, you're not panicking, nor should you be. But if there are Heat fans that are panicking or thinking this team isn't as good as last year, Trust me, if Pat Riley sees that 30, 40 games in and that's the way it's going, he's going to make a move. He They're going to figure out. And if they can get a superstar, we know that too. But I wouldn't get too caught up in the superstar thing right now. I'm just talking about just help on this roster at certain positions that we talked about uh, for this season. Not necessarily long-term like, you know, whale or whatever the heck you want to call it. Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's pod, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here on Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you wanted to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, Q&As of Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and e-learning course filled with tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll get you sure 
show published to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other listening platforms. And the best part is that you can get this all for $15 a month. That's the same rate that any other hosting site would just charge you for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to your sports experience. Acceptance to the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. So Jack 44 in chat is asking, he's like, Will, do you think that the Heat need a point guard or a power forward more? Because that's a big that's been a big topic over here. Uh, you know, I, we talk you know, look, they are invested in Tyler and this experience and this experiment, I should say. And obviously they have Gordon. I don't think the point guard is a position that they're panicking about or freaking about. I don't. I just and I think too, because again, and, and we've seen it in other areas, Jimmy Butler was going to handle the ball a lot in big moments too of late games, and we saw him take over the playoffs. Uh, the point guard position didn't really matter much at that point when Jimmy had the ball in his hand and he was getting to the basket and, and dominating. Um, I think your point on Mo Harkless, look, I, I, I've never met Mo. Again, given the pandemic, it's so hard to talk about a guy you've never met or seen. Usually I see these guys in camp. I get to know them. I see their practice. I talk to coaches. I don't know anything about Mo Harkless other than what I heard going into it. So I don't know why he has struggled. I don't know why he hasn't done the things that maybe they would expect and fans would expect. I don't think that they're going to lose hope like all hope that Mo Harkless couldn't help them at some point this season, but I'm with you guys. I mean, they, he hasn't played well. And uh, you know, like you said, you don't need stats for that. Yeah. He hasn't played well in a lot of areas and, and it's been a little disappointing and maybe it's the transition of not having camp and on a new team. He's a veteran guy. I, I think he'll figure it out, but there's no doubt that that's the area that I would look more if the heat were to look to make a move more so than a point guard. Well, the thing I more heartless, more problems. I uh, I wrote a piece on. You can uh, use that too. You can use that too. Okay, here for bad jokes. I uh, <laughs> bad jokes. Right, if you're in for bad jokes, wait till you see what's behind me. Oh, do, do, you, do you see that, Brian? Do you want to reveal to that, chat? I thought it was fabuloso, but it's something else. No, what do we got? It's close. The heat oh, beat exclusive. You know, but it's that's our guy. Wow. Um, I love precious, by the way. He's been he's been terrific. And as a guy like yesterday, they were having him switch on to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And and like, Will, like it's it's incredible how, you know, they find they continue. And I don't don't want to have another show. We'll talk about how great the Heat are at finding players in the margins is undrafted. But the idea of like they have a guy now down. Are you sure? (laughs) I'm so here for that. Who can run a facsimile of of Bam in terms of he can do the dribble handoff stuff really well. And he's a really, really hard rim roller. He's Goran's new favorite buddy in, in pick and roll. I love that combo. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. And he switched. Like I thought the, you know, well, you know, we, we saw Spo in the beginning. Didn't really trust Michael Beasley and Mario Chalmers in his, in his first year as head coach. And he was always a little trepidatious of t- trusting young guys. He would kind of lean toward J.O. and Udonis and, you know, kind of the veteran, you know, even later Richard Lewis, he always kind of trusted the veteran guys to trust, you know, kind of letting Tyler, even defend Jason Tatum, which I wasn't a big fan of the decision, but I understand kind of having Bam off ball to come help, but trusting Tyler in that role and then trusting Precious, a guy who has not had a training camp, who's played, what, seven games to switch on to yeah. maybe the, the second best offensive player in the conference. That's, that's They're going to have 48 minutes of a big who can switch. It's crazy. Yeah, and that, and that is, the comparisons to Bam are obvious because, you know, they made them number one, and number two is you see it, you know, kind of when Bam was younger, and is it crazy to think that Precious looks more advanced oh, in his game totally. in that type of game as a rookie than Bam did, which is nuts to think because Bam is Bam and Bam obviously offensively what he's become, but just even defensively or like you said on those his his ability near the basket, his ability to make smart plays, his hands, he's got great hands, you know, and he just seems to to get it. You know, it's been a nice find that. I, I love them. I, I think what they're the way they're using them is perfect. Like every night he gets like seven points, six rebounds, you know, set nice screens. That ball movement you mentioned with, with Gore has been great. I love that combination, the way those two work. It looks like they've been working for three months and they've only been together for, you know, a month or so. So uh, I, I think I like the way Spoys work in with him and, and, and the things that he's doing. And I, and I think he's just going to continue to improve. Bam loves him. I mean, you, you guys listen to those, those Zoom conferences with the Heat. I mean, Bam yeah, can't stop yeah. raving about this kid. And, and it's not lip service. I mean, he really sees him at practice, how big and how, how well he listens to and he takes to, to lessons and to explanations from these players. 
like the thing with him also is they they really have him playing in a very defined role. They're not asking him to do, you know, like, and I think that's really good for a young player, especially given all the circumstances we talked about with no G League and everything. All right, precious assistant, you're going to do this. You're going to, we're going to run these handoff sets and you're going to screen really hard and you're going to dive to the rim. They don't really involve him in their more complicated sets, which I, I think is good. I think you want to treat the young guys carefully and good. And he's very good at his role. And, and I thought they tried a little bit. Hey, let, let's try a little switching today. We're going to downsize. Let, let's try a little switching. And I, I and they made it simple. They weren't switching a lot of crazy off-ball stuff. They're like, we're going to switch these actions. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of that kind of organization and structure for a young player is huge. Yeah, and and I think you you just said it though they are giving up a little bit more and trying to get different looks and it only get it expand and expand. I think his role and the things they ask him to do will expand. It, it won't expand to the point obviously where he's going to be an offensive force. Precious is a work in progress offensively on what he can do, any kind of post moves or things like that. But running those, you know, that, that two man game and running the and setting the screen and getting to the basket, throwing it down, and the things we've seen from him, if he could just do that all year, that's that's a hell of a rookie for a team that's a championship caliber team already. But, you know, he just won't be that. I, I think he's a good enough, uh, well, great enough athlete, but a, a strong enough and smart enough guy to learn and get even better. And they'll trust him with more as the season goes on. So I love what they're doing with him. And, and again, it goes back to what you said. You don't want to sit here and say, oh, you're the best at developing young players and finding these guys. But they have found a guy that as good as he was in college, you weren't sure with a short offseason if he could help you. Well, guess what? He can help you, and he's helped them so far, and I think he'll only help them more as the season goes on. Moose, something that I think is a really underrated part about Precious, and a little bit of Will touched on it, is kind of the activity by the rim. And last season, I think we covered a lot of the Heat were very, very good at limiting opponents at the rim. I think they were first or second in, in fewest field goal attempts at the rim. But when teams got to the rim, they were shooting uh, best in the league, right? So, and part of that is because, you know, Bam is out on the perimeter, not really in help position because of their switch stuff and their drop stuff. But now with Precious, you have another guy who, you know, when you play him in Olenek together, you have him kind of helping and I know Linux has been a really good guy getting charges but you kind of want some a little more force there uh yeah. Moose like I I love that kind of most about it that they have 48 minutes of rim protection listen this was something that we were banging the table about during the uh the playoff run um we noticed that we see how effective Bam is and we see the drop off when he's on the bench so you know not that Precious is there yet but that's that's the goal with Precious, and that was the vision in drafting this kid. And um, you know, Will, you you were mentioning it's funny how how far along he looks on the offensive end compared to Bam uh, Bam's rookie year. Because yeah. I don't know if enough people know this, Precious really picked up basketball late in life. That's mm-hmm. why he stayed two years in college, and to and as well, which I think is helping him with the Heat. I can't say enough. I think actually working with Mike Miller those two years in Memphis. Somebody that has been in heat culture, you know, Memphis may not be the biggest basketball uh, uh, powerhouse, but they are instituting some NBA-level structure. Well, yeah, but now under Penny Hardaway, it's a little different. But they are putting in some NBA structure things, and I think that's really accelerated uh, Precious being able to just come in here and hit the ground running. Your dog agrees again? Your dog agrees? Yeah, she's a big heat fan. Yeah, she agrees. I agree too. No, I, and I think you know the, the bottom line is this: all the stuff that they said with Precious when they drafted him, which was like, "Hey, he fits our culture." And I remember the first night that Zoom call with Precious when he got drafted, he was like, "You know, I know about the e culture." I remember he said, "I watched him in the playoffs, and I saw the way they play." And I said, "I that's the way I love to play, and I want to play." Uh, I think part of it stems from him. You know, it's not just like he got here and they, they sprinkled culture dust on him. And, and he's like, this guy, he came with that already in his mind. And that's a big reason why they drafted him, aside from his talent, obviously, is that they knew he was going to have that ability to buy in, to buy into whatever. And, and, and the way they speak of him and the, the video you see of UD and Bam and Jimmy in his ear all the time and him just listening and listening and taking it in, uh, that's how you get better. I mean, that's how you learn. That's how you become sort of that heat player, that heat culture guy that I think he's already becoming at seven games into his NBA career. So something I kind of want to bring up, kind of tie back to what we were talking about. So this year, the Heat are second in um, in fewest attempts at the rim and they're middle of the pack in percentage allowed, which that's going to be a huge. And I think that's a big, their defense is at 11th. And I know that last year, their defense struggled a lot, especially early mm-hmm. on. They were, point guards were torching them every night. 
and and even when they made the trade for Jay and Iguodala, it, it took them a little bit. It wasn't until the playoffs where they really found their footing. So the fact that the defense has been really solid so far, and it's kind of because the offense is going to come. Will those Goran and Jimmy and Tyler and Duncan and Bam are too good to not get this going? Uh, and the defense has, and, and their schedule has been kind of weird because Orlando's been playing really, really well. The Pelicans have been playing really, really well. I think Oklahoma City was one of the the few gimme games. You know, Boston, Milwaukee twice. I mean, that's I – mean, that's yeah. If you look at their schedule, probably the easiest game that they played was the OKC game. OKC else game, is, yeah. And they won by a lot. <laughs> and, and you got to think, look, if they come – they go to Washington and they win by 20 points against a, a bad team. I mean, Bradley Beal yeah. would score a lot, but, I mean, that's not a good team. And, and you know, with Russell Westbrook now, but still, that's not a good team. That's the team you expect to win by double digits. And the Heat never make it easy. I think that's one thing we've learned. Even when they're good, they don't tend to make it easy. But I think they're in a position where – they just kind of get through this early season bumps and look playing Boston again, Sunday will be tough. And some of the games that are coming up and obviously, you know, you look at the schedule, there's a lot of that, that you play a team twice, which is weird because it's so hard to beat a team two times in a row, a quality team. So I almost expect them to beat Boston on Sunday and split the way they did Milwaukee. So it's almost like when they play these teams like Brooklyn, they play back, you know, double games coming up soon. It's like almost like you expect the split. It's very hard to expect the other team to win twice, you know, to win that team win twice or for you to win twice. So it's a funky schedule. I, I think beating the bad teams will be very important. We've seen that from the Heat in the past. When they beat bad teams, that, that's their key to them because the times they've missed the playoffs in the last couple of years is when they don't beat bad teams. I mean, they, they sit there and struggle against the Knicks and all these terrible teams. Well, they did last year. I keep saying that. We forget that they lost to the Knicks and the Nets when the Nets weren't very good last year, back-to-back. And they ended their their normal regular season losing to Charlotte quite emphatically. Was that quite, that game? They lost by twenty plus points. It was not pretty. They were it leading in pretty. the set. They were leading going into halftime or something. They they like, oh, okay, we're winning. Yeah, well, that was a weird night. I, I blame the pandemic. Everybody started thinking about the pandemic, and this could be it. You know, how was that like? I've, I haven't talked to anybody who had been there. What was that like? Because that that was the night of Rudy Gobert, correct? Yes, I had to read over. I'll never forget. I, I was doing a live shot on the court for Channel Ten, and it was crazy because my boss had said, "Hey, you know, tied into the pandemic uh, potential, you know, the COVID stuff." And you know, back then we all thought, like, oh, I mean, come on, we're not going to shut down. We may have a week where things are weird. Like nobody knew that this was going to happen like this. I mean, just for us. I mean, you know, yeah. just everyday people. So I remember looking, turning around for my live shot, and they were wiping down the seats pregame. All the all the people that work <laughs> on the court. And they're wiping the seats down with spraying and sanitizer. There was sanitizer everywhere. And that was, remember, they had changed the interview room where it was like, it was like a secondary interview room where the tables were further away. And it was all a little weird. And oh, I had a family go lounge. Yeah, it was very, very, no, no I missed my room to go live. Don't, don't, don't mess with it. <laughs> I missed that. Uh, I was going to say, that thing looks comfy. It really does. That thing is comfy. That, rooms to go doesn't give me that couch, but it's nice to sit in. It's a nice I need that cast. But long story short, I remember having a family member at the game. They've never been to a heat game. And I went down to Sierra and I said, hey, is it cool, huh? Hey, this could be the last heat game with fans in a while. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and lo and behold, yeah, so when we when wow. we finish and they sent out that release and the Rudy Gobert news came down, it was just eerie, man. Everybody was just like, How long is this gonna last? And little do we know. Yeah. You know months I'm, later in a bubble, they get back to work. Kind of curious, how hard was it to like not have sports? And and obviously, your job is around sports. Like, how hard was it just not have sports around for that long? Let me tell you something, man. My I did those three months. Uh, I did this. I was in my this is my home, and I and I set up a studio. And I didn't. I had never heard of Zoom when this started. Call me a boomer. Did you? Have you guys heard of Zoom? I was. We've not been using Zoom. Zoom for the pods for years, so we were oh, okay. we were very chill. Familiar. Will, I'm with you. I just found out about Zoom like yesterday. I mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I, because in my line of work, what do I need Zoom for? I, yeah. we, we our job is to get to know players and interview face to face, not Zoom. So I, I had to learn what Zoom was and how to use it. And I basically reached out to every single media relations person in town, every sport. I'm talking about Barry University to, to the Miami <laughs> Heat and Miami Dolphins. Yeah, there you go. Everybody, like I said to everybody, hey, no story is a bad story. Pitch me whatever story you have. And then they started saying, hey, I got this guy who's doing this, and this guy is training at home. And I would do Zooms with these players, and you know, and then the Heat made people available, the Dolphins did. And every day I would have a Zoom with somebody. And I literally filled three months of just Zooming with athletes, talking about their training, talking about the pandemic, talking about their families. And that's how we filled it, man. It was, well, it was we straight quit. Surreal, surreal that, that it, it even happened. Oh, yeah, we took a hiatus. Well, we quit. We, we did, we, you know, we, we, did a, we did a funky bracket of uh, potential NBA 
32 seed. And then now we didn't do a show for like, I don't know, what, two months, Brian? I mean, we did a drunk pod, I think, but that wasn't like our <laughs> show. That was, I don't even know where that was. Where I think we did five. That? I think we, I think we were on like a five reasons to drink or something. Shout out to okay. eat the skull, like a five. Like we, I don't know. We, we, we were not, we were not sure. producing content. I mean, th- this was like when everybody was quarantined. So like, mm-hmm. we didn't know how long this was going to be. We, we <laughs> thought it would be like a month. We were quarantined for like a month and then everything would be back to normal. We, if we thought the same thing for a month and then. End up being more than a month, and we were just you know, going crazy. You guys are suckers. I, I listen. I told y'all. I go. We're not leaving our house for two years. I told you. I was like, listen. I, I see the writing on the wall. My friends are all chemists. I know how this works. Yeah, well, it, I know. I, I know too COVID. much about virus proteins and the spikes on COVID. I don't want to know. Really great analysis on a show about like refrigeration. Like, what is it? Uh, oh yeah, because yeah, Christian about air conditioning and how the virus and how the UV. I don't know. Listen, we've we've gone we've gone like deep into science here. Will kind of want to ask you a little bit because we're we're running on time. Yesterday we questions. Yeah, we have we have questions from the audience. But before before yeah, we I, get I got to, one for Will too later though. But go with your oh. thing, G. Yeah. So yesterday, obviously, there was a lot of unrest in the country with with everything that happened in the capital. The people that that stormed the capital, and I know that you know the the heat and the Celtics kind of left the the court together. I, I'm wondering like how like how are you experiencing that? I know you weren't there, but. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're just following Tim Reynolds uh, Twitter account hero. We're doing our, our pregame show and we're like, well, yeah. we're, we're just refreshing Tim and Barry and Ira and Anthony. Like, how, how are you experiencing that? I mean, look, it, it's a tough balance because uh, there is this nation is divided. So you're talking about half your audience is they stick to sports. Who cares? And half your audience is like, hey, this is important content. And I follow the important content line. I mean, I think it is important yeah. that athletes in any sport have a voice and have a voice to use their platform for what they see to be important. And over the years, it, it hasn't just been social issues. There have been all kinds of issues that athletes feel that they want to spread their message as an important message. And now in the last year, year and a half, we've seen how important and I have more than that really since Colin Kaepernick really, this has become a platform for athletes. And it's, it's for me, I enjoy telling these stories. I enjoy seeing athletes point of views because one of the things as a reporter, I mean, I look at, at heart, I'm a reporter. And I, that, I love telling stories and I love meeting athletes and learning about them and learning their background, the things that they struggle with. I love Bam's story of his mom and the things we all know the story, the things you're okay. I love learning about things, players and how they grew up and what they grew up in. Big part in particular of the NBA, because it is mostly an African-American sport, is the black community and understanding what these players went through and what they still go through, even though they're millionaires. It doesn't matter. It doesn't leave you. So to me, it's important to follow and it's important to hear the stories. And I don't think the story should go away, but it's tough for us because let's face it, I'll tell these stories and I'll get emails and tweets and messages saying, you know, screw you, stick to sports. What do you know? Fake news. I mean, you hear it all. No, listen, and, yeah. and, and your mind, you're just saying like, hey, man, I'm just trying to do my job. My job is to cover athletes. And believe it or not, athletes are not just sports. Athletes are not just dribbling and hitting and throwing. They, they are a lot more than that. So if I can tell a story on Bam's mom and the sacrifices she made, why can't I tell a story about social issues and racial issues and things that athletes of all, you know, whether you're, you're Latin culture, Hispanic, Black, whatever it may be, things that you've had to overcome because of the situation in our country? We love sports because like they're, they're theater of the human, they're theater of the human condition. We love these people. We, we grow to, you know, the reason why we exist as media is to be a conduit between the athlete and the public. And we're supposed to, we are storytellers to tell these people's stories. We're not, not just a human, these, you know, you look at bam. I mean, I'll never forget. Well, when I was next to Hassan Whiteside in the locker room, I looked up and I was like, wow, we are not the same species. Like we're not like we are not made of the same material. And it's like you see these people that are superhuman and there are these yeah, things that, humanize, life, yeah. that yeah. you know, these are things that 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 they care about. Right. Like we all we all bleed the same, all, all that kind of cliche, same race stuff, like same uh, like, you know, species stuff. But like for them, I, I and we talked a little bit about the pregame. I feel bad for them because they're they're kind of looked upon. And Izzy Gutierrez talked about this as well. And hangover time that. They're these NBA players and WNBA players and now you know women's soccer players and all these athletes are looked on as kind of leaders. Like, you know, the politicians are, are acting like children and the athletes are the ones acting like adults. And Draymond is in talking at the podium after after a basketball game talking about, you know, again, how police brutality, how white people are treated differently than black and brown people. And it's like 
yeah. at some point it has to be exhausting that these young men, because I mean, they're I'm I'm 28 years old. Is Draymond my age? Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Bam's 23. Bam's 23, and he he ends every media session with, "Hey, Black Lives Matter, people." He says the same thing every that's time. That's a lot, Will. That's a lot for a 23 year old man. That's, that's, a, that's a big burden to hold as a responsibility. So instead of saying, "Hey, shut up and play," how about saying? Hey man, that's impressive for a 23 year old. I have my oldest is 14. I have a 13 and five year old. I would hope that when they're 23, they have the mental capacity and the, and the understanding of, of life issues to be able to stand up for things they believe in and, and and take those risks instead of just shutting up and doing what they're supposed to do. You know what they're supposed to do. It's just to me, it shows leadership and and, and an incredible thing for Bam and these players. And you mentioned Draymond, all these players, small sports. I, so I, I'm fine with it. But let's face it, guys, have there are people that are yeah. Well, I mean, we, we've, I've, I, I used to get DMS a lot and like, listen, I'm, I, I know, you know, we, uh, it's a different game. I'm doing a podcast and you're representing channel 10 and, and the heat and all that stuff. But like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty vocal on how I feel on things on, on my platform and my podcast. And I get people, you know, oftentimes respectful, like, Hey, listen, I don't appreciate what you say about 45. And I, I have to be, I was like, listen, thank you for the comment. But I, I don't care. I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm not gonna, this is uh, Brian and I work very hard for this platform. Look, we've worked really hard just to get G to shut up about the Raptors. Yeah. Listen, it's either it's this or Raptors suck. suck. You know, Will, your colleague, let me tell you something. I want to talk to you about your colleague, Clay Ferrari. Clay? Because, what is Clay I, I have been rehabilitating as, cause listen, I like the Raptors. I'm not going to lie. I like watching. I love Kyle Lowry. He's my favorite basketball player. I, I, I enjoy a Raptors game. Okay. I don't tweet about it anymore because he Twitter is mean to me whenever I talk about them. So I've just stopped. Rightfully was, so. That's it. Fine. Whatever. So Drop I, it on yourself. I have been be rehabilitating honest. my image. I did the rah-rah fan stuff during the finals. I was here screaming and ranting after every game. And I feel like I have rehabbed my image. We got into fights with the Laker fan. Base. Oh, yeah. Look, listen, I, I was out in forefront for Heat fans. And then well, I go on. Clay Ferraro was filling in. I don't know if it was for Ethan or Alex Dono on Onside Radio. And Clay, I haven't been on local radio in a while. It had been like a couple months. And my first moment in the public eye, Clay's like, hey, why are Raptors fans so sensitive? And I was like, Clay, I'm, I'm rehabbing. Don't ask me Raptors questions. Threw me to it's the like fire, asking Will. A, asking alcoholic, do you want a drink? Yeah. <laughs> Weren't you on Levitar local hour too? Right? I was on that. I, I do like to brag. I was on a Levitar local hour. Okay, so that's the beauty of sports. So I get hard time. I've covered the Dolphins for over 20 years, right? I got here in 99. I got here Dan Marino's last year. And I still hear from Dolphins fans when I talk about the Giants, because I'm a Giants fan, and I root for the Dolphins, but I bleed blue. Oh, you should care about the Dolphins. I'm like, dude, I do care about the Dolphins. <laughs> I cover them. I enjoy them. I, so many players are old friends of mine. I love the organization, but I'm a Giants fan. It's okay. That's it's, the beauty of sports. You know, that's the beauty. You can cover a team and talk about a team, but still enjoy it. Others, well, I'm a Heat like, fan. Like, they're just saying, I like, they're. You are. I am a E fan. I'm like, a, like I'm a Raptors fan on the side. Sometimes, sometimes I'm not publicly anymore because you guys Tiffany get mad. Says you should move to Tampa if you love him so. God much. no, I love Miami too much. God no, listen, I, I've no, listen, Miami. Why would I move to Tampa when Miami? Look, look at Miami. Miami's great. What you got, Mustafa? I know you had a question for Will before we get to some listener questions. And well, we'll yeah, I, I got a question for Will, but before we get there, I just want to say, Will, what you said was beautiful. I I agree with all of it. I think that needed to be said, and I'm glad that we went there. Um, but my question for you is, I am fascinated by the way we're covering sports with, you know, amidst this pandemic right now. So I wanted to ask you, have you reached a point yet where this all feels routine and normal and going back to the way it was would feel awkward and, and weird? Or is this still something you're trying to get used to? I'll be honest with you. I think that you can say you can take the word sports out and just put life in and say to yourself, is life going to go back to what we're used to? Or is this kind of the life we accept? Like I run a lot. I love to run, you know, and I run with a mask now. And it's funny. People ask me, does it bother you? I'm like, you know, I would have told you a year ago it bothered me if I did it. But now I'm used to it, you know, and, and things that, that you change your lifestyle because of the pandemic, you know, social distancing, washing your hands, things we should have been doing, but, you know, more so now. I remember the last event I went to, real full event, that heat game I was at, I went to a Billie Eilish concert there at the arena that week. And I remember thinking back now that, man, we were, and there were these kids and like jumping around this whole life in this world that now we are like, man, can we go back to that? So when it comes to sports, I don't know if we're going to go back to the days of, you mentioned the sound of the locker room, of being in a locker room with the players changing, you're over their space and on top of each other and everybody with their hands rubbing and, you know, everything trying to get a mic. And, and I don't know if we'll go back to those days. I, I don't think we will. I think there'll probably be more of a press conference setting. And is that okay? Sure. You can still tell stories. 
I think you still want the ability to interview players one-on-one and, and, and really access a player's life. How are we going to do that? We'll see. You know, fans is the same thing. Look, we're all, we sit there and do this for a living. We love talking about it, but in the end, we're just fans. Like I would go to a Giants game every year and I would, you know, sit there and put my Giants jersey on and I'd travel, you know, my part, we, we would go. Sounds dangerous go right to, now. <laughs> yeah, we would go and, and I, oh, we're going to do that again. You know, we're going to do that again and go wild at a game, you know. Those are things you worry about, but I do think there will be change. Some of it will be good change and some of it will be change that it's going to be hard to get used to, you know, the way we do things. It's just, it's part of the reality of, of this crap that we've had to dealt with, that we've all as a society had to dealt with, to deal with, but we have to. It felt weird today. So I work, uh, I'm a, I'm a civil engineering inspector and I was at a job site and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the plans on a tablet and we have, we have a conflict and I'm, I, I kind of sketch something out and I, I kind of, show the tablet to the contractor and he like gets way too close to look. And I was like, wow, this was, this was normal last year. That's a, a normal thing to do is, Hey, look at what we're working on. And I was like, Oh, is this enough? You, you, you guys find yourself watching TV and seeing like an old movie or show. Oh God. Yes. Like Oof, all the time, like getting on a train or getting in like in a room. It's just too many people at the gym. What the hell is this? You know? Sometimes I'll, I'll watch like old highlights and, and I see like the, the arenas look very compact. And I was like, Oh, Oh God. I'm, I'm clutching my pearls. I was like, what are, what are we doing? Uh, chat's asking, uh, what's your favorite Billy song? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Probably bad guy. I like bad guy, but there's a couple of her songs that are album that are actually really good. And at the top of my head, I don't know. I used to run to Ralph a lot. Like my, my oldest taught me the, uh, who she was. And her whole entire album is incredible. And I actually enjoyed the concert. I mean, it took my girls, my two oldest, uh, just a great, the energy she has. It was a great concert. But Bad Guy probably was my favorite one. Who's your favorite artist or, or band? Well, I mean, I'm kind of a boomer. So, I, you know, like, my, you know, like, I kid you not, guys, my prized possession of my house. Like, I listen, my daughters are like, God, again. Like, I listen to Nat King Cole every day at Celia Cruz. You know, like, I have... My prized possession, I have a Nat King Cole signed album that I have. Ooh, it's the that's only, so dope. I have, yeah, over record. Obviously, I didn't get it. Nat died in 1965, but still. It's, no, you yeah. know, I, no, you know what I mean? So I, I love that thing. I listen to his music. Like, I love Nat King Cole and Celia Cruz and, you know, uh, and, and a lot of jazz. But new new artists, guys, I listen to anything. Like, I, I love – it's funny. I was just having uh, uh, dinner with my oldest before we were on, and the, I had The Chronic on, Dr. Dre, The Chronic. And I, said, I was telling my daughter, I said – this album, like when I was a teenager, eight, 17, 18, this is all I listened to on a loop, you know? And she's like, yeah, I've heard this song, Boomer. And I've heard this album. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, so before we get you out of here, I want to get you in on some of the listener questions from our Discord server. Now, if you guys want to get involved in this, so every time we have a guest on, we throw it out to our Discord server. We're going to ask our guests some of the questions that you guys put so join our Discord server. It's really fun. We have live game chats. We're doing lots of cool stuff in there. So that link will be in the description of this podcast. If you're listening on, on your podcast app, or if you're watching on stream, you can just click the little tab about on our Twitch page and it'll take you right to our Discord. I'm sure that uh, one of our mods is going to link you there right now. But so somebody's at, Ray is asking, who is next in line to, to replace, to succeed Pat Riley? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, I've always thought that Spo might be, but the years have gone by. I don't think Spo wants to do that. I think Spo loves coaching too much. I think when you look at Nick Arison, uh, Nick is a is a guy they groomed a lot. They really love Nick, obviously, I mean, being an Arison, but Nick is also a really bright guy, went to Duke, and he's been with the organization a long time. I think Nick and Shane, if they keep Shane around, are kind of a big part of the future of this organization in some way. My first. Um, so Twisted Tapioca asks, uh, apparently you did chirotherapy and he's wanted to know if you enjoyed it and the fact that 200 degrees sounds insane uh, yes, but you said you felt degrees. no discomfort is that true did you do that before all this yeah i was doing that cryo i had a but of all things I, I met a guy uh who at an event who, who did this you know who was doing the, the cryo. he said hey come to my thing i'll give you the first one free just to test it out that was like his deal like you go to the first one free and man the first one you could last like a minute but then you get used to going there for two, three minutes, and it actually is great. You know, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Awesome. Awesome. Now, it is, you wear, like, gloves and big socks. I mean, they, trust me, you don't just go in there naked. But, I mean, it is – you have to go in there without a shirt on. But it really helped with the joints. Again, I'm an old guy, so, like, the joints and the – You're a young man. What are you talking about? You, yeah. you look yeah, great. You still you have t- a great hairline. What are you, 45? 45. 45, yeah. Dude, I, you I look great. Here, what are you talking about? half my life. Thank you. I've been, I, dude, I got here in 99. I've been here at Channel almost 22 years. So uh, I feel well, that way. You look but great, try. man. 45 is the new 44. Don't worry. 
That's what I always say. Thank well, you're you. not on. <laughs> listen, radio. I've always joked with my friends in radio. Radio ages you in a way that television doesn't. I don't know. I don't know why, but like poor Zaslo is working these awful hours. And Those you know, hours are tough, man. Those dude, Zaz used to do the post game. He'd be at the arena and then he'd do whatever 5 a.m. on, on the thing. I'm like, Tobin's the same way. Tobin works. Or Tobin, oh, works Tobin. He, he's one of my favorite people in this market. He works, he Tobin's does so much best. stuff. He's really, really good. He's really good. Tobin's yeah. the best. I love that. I, I love everybody. And I've said this a million times like, everybody in this market has been incredibly supportive of everything we do. And it's been, well, it's the community here is so good. Like, I don't know. Everyone's great. All right. Last two right. questions. Uh, okay. So, uh, Karmic Beat asks, what was it like interviewing Macho Man? Uh, Macho Marlins man, Mean Gene Manso. What is that? Is that a Brendan Tobin bit? That's a Tobin thing. Yeah, yeah I did okay. a whole. We did like, uh, like we, I got on like Mean Gene Overland. and I, I had like the mustache and I put like the the I, like I had no hair. I put like a big uh, padding, you know, thing, whatever, to make it look like I had no hair. And he came in as Macho Marlins man. I, I, I told you I love Tobin, so we had a lot of fun on one of our Sunday night show. And you he was just in character, and I'm just sitting. There. I grew up watching WWF when I was a kid, so Mean Gene Overland. It was like, yo, that's the guy. You know, he was the man. So it was cool to, uh, it was a lot of fun doing that. Again, Tobin, you know, he's, he's good. He's great at what he do does. Do people still watch wrestling? Like, is that something that kids uh, do? What do is they, it? I wonder. Yes, that's my nephew. My nephews are obsessed with it. That's all they wanted for Christmas this year. It's it's definitely seems like it's a younger demographic, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just because my brother, who was you know a similar age, a huge WWF fan growing up, so he's shown it to his kids. Dude, I used to be. I remember going to the West Palm Beach Auditorium and watching the British Bulldogs, Junkyard Dog, and and you know Macho Man Savage, and all these you know Coco Beware and all these wrestlers when I was in the eighties, and, and I love that stuff. But I think kids still love it. I think you know. Uh, you see a lot of other kids that like other things, but I think WWE that stuff is still. Cool. I see a lot of millennials going to these events, like millennials like living their childhood, like that. That are like that's what I've seen. That, but I was wondering if like kids still liked it. All right, WrestleMania, La- man. Yeah, people like I know Mike Ryan loves WrestleMania. Mike Ryan has a little. I went to an event. Speaking of Tampa, I went to interview John Cena a few years back, and I went. I stayed for the event after the event. I was like, "Hey, this is awesome! I had a blast. It was still pretty cool." Listen, they put on really fun productions. I mean, if you're into it, they keep you for a while. It's entertaining. <laughs> it's entertaining. All right, Lil. Last one again from Twisted Tapioca. Yo, OG, shout out to Twisted Tapioca, who's who's a prime, who's a sub here on, on Twitch. Yeah, good people. Yo, good people, great supporter um, of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. We love, we love you. Oh. He asks, pick one and the other disappears forever. Tacos or coffee? Pick one. I would pick uh, tacos. Uh, I I didn't straight. You're not a coffee not, person. I didn't start drinking coffee until like two years ago. Will that's uh, crazy. And we got uh, my my wife and I bought an an espresso machine because she loves coffee. And now the funny thing is, I drink it. I use it more than she does. And I, <laughs> I love it because every morning I just drink one a day. In the morning, I make it. That starts my day. But I can live without it. I can live with. I can do tea. I was a tea guy before. I can go back to tea. Wow. Nobody's taking, stunned. Nobody's taking Taco Tuesday. Do you have any ta- like shop to Miami that she used to go to? Wow. Like salty that? donut? Oh, the donuts are the best. I mean, the total, well, you know, the worst thing is that my kids go to school in that area in Winwood. So I'm always passing salty donuts. So I'm always sort of going there getting donuts. <laughs> it's a bad you know? And there's a, there's a lot of cool little places. But no, I love tacos, dude. I like Taco Tuesday, a good taco. To me, over coffee any day. What's your What's your go to taco down here in Miami? Well, it's funny. There's a place that we found during the pandemic, and I wish I would give it a shout out if I knew what it was called. My wife found it. Uh, uh, it was it's an over by Little Havana or Cayocho, somewhere in that area. Uh, and they it's like very street taco kind oh, of. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know the name either. It was on Food Network. I know exactly which one you're talking about. It was about. on the wish, diner drivers and dives thing. I wish I could give it a shout out because I would. But like she always orders. So the first thing she ordered during the pandemic, she went and picked it up and they bring you like just this big thing, like a silver platter, of like, you know, all the different, you know, carne asada, the chicken, dude, the yeah, shell, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The, dude, it was incredible. So we got it like maybe three or four times after that. Like I try to do my own Taco Tuesdays and cook, but when we want like food like that, yeah, we've been picking that up. Yeah, we've been kind of uh, takeout from there. How much takeout have you done in the pandemic? Because like for us, it, it, it's way too much. We've done, we've done way too much in, in my house. It's, it's been a lot. Up until the last... Two or three months we did a lot. But the last two months we've been trying to cook. You know, like tonight I cooked for my oldest. And we tried, you know, we, we try to cook ourselves because man, you spend a lot of money take on that. It's good to support local business. That's what I'm saying. That's how I justify it. <laughs> agreed. But at some point I started looking at my checking the kind of like, damn, I'm eating too much. Oh, I'm eating out too much. So, the, so we the, try to that's why we do our streams, Will. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Will Mansell, thank you so much for joining us. You are great. Local are legend. Local legend, Will Mansell. We, we hope to get you back in the we Rooster Go Lounge. Drip on the telecast. I mean, gotta get, we got to say drip on next the telecast. Time I'm on the, next time I'm on the, on, the, on the thing, I'm going to be on the Rooster Go couch and I'll say drip. We we will wait for a chat. Thank you so much for coming. Remember, at eight, right now, 8.30, we are going to go live with an episode of Light Skinned Opinions hosted by Alphonse Sidney, Christopher Maddox, and Parrish. That is Thompson. a... Parrish Thompson. Parrish Thompson. I forgot. I, I was going to call him Robert Parrish. Nailed the dismount, James. I, Nailed the dismount. Dismount. I love Parrish, dude. Listen, Parrish is my guy. I've had beers with Parrish. Parrish is the best. Maddox, Alf, check them out. This is about right now. This is... <laughs> Uh, light-skinned opinions. It's a Black Opinions podcast, and Alf and the guys are going to talk about everything that's happening right now in our country, and it's you can't miss as you hear on Heatbeat. Alf is one of the most thoughtful damn people in this market and really doing it right now, so you want to check that out. Thanks again to Will Manso. Check out our pregame show uh, on, when do they play again? Tomorrow? Saturday. 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 I don't Saturday even know. Listen, I'm 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 destroyed. Check. Just just let's go. Pre, let's go. pre-game show and then uh <laughs> and then hang over time after. Uh thanks, Will. Anytime, guys. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details.